0: We are delighted to welcome Barwon Health Foundation as sponsors of Room 64. If you would like to support palliative care services at Barwon Health, please contact the Barwon Health Foundation at barwonhealthfoundation.org.au. I'll be leading the Room 64 podcast today for Barwon Health and Barwon Health Foundation. Uh, My name is Melanie Davies and I am a clinical nurse consultant with the Barwon Health Palliative Care Team. Today, I am really looking forward to spending some time chatting with Brian McAfee, uh, a local gentleman in Geelong who has motor neurone disease. And we're going to look into Brian's story and some work that he's doing to be able to really highlight some of the issues that are affecting people with MND, not only within our region, but within our country. And Brian's got some, um, some, some really great insight into uh, the effects of our systems, and, um, and he's actually doing something very proactive in, in raising some funds. So Brian, thank you so much for meeting with me today.
1: Pleasure, glad to be here.
0: So, can you tell us a little bit about your background, Brian? Your your journey, your experience. What's brought us together today?
1: <clears throat> well, it came to a head. Um, uh, I got diagnosed back about several years ago, about seven years ago. Um, up until then, was a well, I'd consider myself pretty fit. We were in the antique business, and I was lifting heavy furniture all my life, and Prior to that, I was a butcher with my dad for ten years. It was very noticeable that I was starting to get a bit weaker, but I wasn't. I put it down to old age. I just thought, you know, I'm 75 now, so I was in my 60s, late 60s, and I thought, you know, all the lifting I'd done was I was getting a bit weaker and just wearing out a bit. But it proved a bit worse than that after a, a sequence of things where I went. I injured my shoulder and neck a bit and then went to get some testing done on that which led to getting some scans done and prior to that an interview with my doc and uh, Hugh Seward, he was um, very involved with sports medicine and football club all his life and uh, he hit on the uh, the fact that I was having real trouble getting my arms up above my head if I, if I tried to stretch and pl- put my ha- arm above my head, I just couldn't. I couldn't get it over my shoulder. And that was just not on. So further tests were instigated, which led to me going to see Paul Torman, the um, head of and Neurology, who did his tests and um, that came back that I definitely was suffering from um, motor neuron uh <clears throat> there's several forms of it um i'm well i've been i consider it blessed uh, i've got uh <clears throat> so, well i've had like i say several years now the early prognosis was it could have been uh, you know <clears throat> terminal within a year and and uh we had to prepare a bit for that, but in my case, luckily, it wasn't. It was um, it was what they they call flail arm syndrome part of it, and it it meant that I couldn't get my it attacks shoulders and hips and buttock, you know, glutes, and it meant <clears throat> I couldn't raise my arms properly. But they were only very, getting weaker slowly and I was still able to walk around with the aid of a walker right up for the first four years. I, I did have a, an experience that sort of speeded up the, the negative side of the progress where I, I had a couple of falls. I fell and tripped and managed to break my neck, uh, which worked out all right. Yeah, I survived it and uh, <coughs> we got over that and uh, from there on I was, um, as far as I was concerned, I was recovered and I could still get on my walk or get around and my neck gave me no more trouble. But uh, <coughs> it, um, through a sequence of things I badly broke my shin bone, uh, three years ago and um it didn't heal properly at all and never will with my age and the type of break uh it it progressed from being able to get around on a walker and self-sufficient around home with the help of the walker and um a customized bathroom and my wife and and um, all the aids. I was able to have a steady life at home and without any carers coming in at all. But uh, that led to getting some help from uh, the council originally where I had just one carer coming in for a short time to help with, or an hour, but to help with showering and and not at a great cost. And that went all right, but after the break in the leg... Things went backwards where I had, I became wheelchair-bound and then had to be hoisted. And that meant <clears throat> two people doing the same job for an hour.
0: So tell me what your day looks like now, Brian, when you well, wake up in the morning. My
1: day is, uh, I'm blessed, I'm blessed and you know, I can sleep all night. So Always have been able to, I go to bed with, uh, usually between 9.30, 10.30. I just can't roll at all in bed with my this uh, disability, so I, I'm on my back for the whole journey of the sleep and, and I sleep for eight hours plus, you know, whatever it takes. But my morning care is two people starting at 8.30 and they come for a full hour which I have to be fully hoisted into a shower chair and toileting chair, showered, um, dressed, placed in my wheelchair and an hour later I'm ready I sit up and have my uh, brekkie and uh, I'm in the chair the rest of the day.
0: And then it would take two people to reverse that I suppose, so I, at night I, time two more takes, people? To...
1: I can do it can be done with one. My wife struggles to do it with one. It should be done with two. The um, cost factor comes into it. we uh, uh, i've I've been granted the full aged care package. I'm on the highest level of aged care, but aged care is very limited in that it only covers not even the one hour of a morning and that uh, that goes completely. Uh, I'm, my providers genuine with their costs and the cost of the caring, we still have to subsidise it up to 7, 7, $70 or $80 dollars a day for, for the whole dollars week. or $80 a day yeah, for a whole week. For the whole week. And that and doesn't
0: include anything else. That That's doesn't include purely any, getting you out of bed in the morning. That
1: doesn't include any extras I may need, as in... Uh, care pads, condense pads, sleeping aids, whatever, whatever, any any add-ons after that are all self-funded. How how has
0: that left you and Heather?
1: Heather's my full-time carer at home. She's she's classed as my home-time carer.
0: And also your wife. (laughs) And also
1: my wife of 70, sorry, 53 years, 54 years. So she has the job of getting me into bed of a night and and looking after me through the day. I can be left for a few hours but simple things like I I can only partially feed myself and uh, toileting I need a hand with so I can't be left a full day on my own but I can be left for four or five hours and uh, and I can, I'm fully mobile with the chair, I can get out and about uh, as to going up and down the street etc but... uh, the rest of the day and the jobs that can't be done, well, Heather's got to fill in that gap. And uh, of an evening she does the full reverse of the getting me back into bed, which is a strain. This is is lifting and rolling involved, which she shouldn't have to do, but the sad part is if it was, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realise and and I didn't until the start that... uh, if, uh, if I was uh, under 65 when I was diagnosed, I would have been available for an NDIS package, which would have catered for all those needs and 10 times what I'm getting in my package. So, uh, I actually
0: an think anomaly. that that's, yeah, that's, people don't understand that. Uh, you know, the general public don't understand the huge disparity between an Damn. NDIS package, yes. which can be hundreds of thousands of dollars can per be. year... Can versus be. the top level aged care package, yes. which will max out at around forty five thousand.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: And when you're paying two carers yeah. for a minimum of two hours that's right. at each visit. Yeah. So you've got four hours yeah, at well, what's the average. Well, it's around, you're
1: up for initially you lose a third of the package goes in administration. Straight, straight to the administration and to genuine the provider, there that's that's a given. There's add-on costs. There you go with that. There's certain things they have to charge extra. Then over and above the care, all that's left at the end, we have to make up a a, a discrepancy of up to up to us, depending on weekend care, et cetera, et cetera, holiday care. That all escalates to nearly double, and you're up for... uh, We averages out, I'd say, roughly about $70 a day over and above my package, so, uh, you know, we're out of pocket from day one and uh, you, you just uh, you, you run out of money, you are you know, flat, yeah. Yeah. you cater, you, you cater for your old age but not for that level, unfortunately, so it leads you down a track you never thought you might go, you know, having a look at reverse mortgages and things you never dreamt of. But uh, the care I get, I... Couldn't speak highly enough of, as far as um, <coughs> through the provider, etc., and the backup care from motor neuron and uh, right right down the line is is incredible.
0: And then what would happen, let's touch wood here, mm. what would happen if Heather was unwell or injured?
1: Well, Heather is actually, she carries a back, Uh, Back injury, she had a back operation a couple of years ago and broke her shoulder in between that, ran into a post and knocked herself over and broke her shoulder. So she is limited in in what she can do. And she needs extra care too. She needs a bit of help with physio, remedial, you know, Pilates and physio and osteo, this type of thing, which where they can help... um, there are branches of MND and that that have a little bit of funding, and they've been able to help help her out a, a little bit there, which is great. But that's not available all the time, and certainly not not available at the moment. When that runs out, um, that that enables her to keep going, keep a level of fitness, which I need to to back up with. I'm 110 kilos and six foot three, so it's a big ask to roll me around and throw me around a chair and a bed, etc., etc. et cetera.
0: So, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's not an unlikely scenario that um, if for any reason Heather's not able to provide all of the care that she does that then the only option that, that becomes open to you is either a hospital admission, which of course is completely inappropriate, um, or a, a respite admission into a residential aged care facility. And I do know that you did have a recent experience with that and, and I know that it wasn't a good one. Do you mind sharing it with us?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, sorry. It was a, di- a disaster. Um, I put it down uh, <clears throat> as the worst two weeks of my life. The, the care was just non existent. The uh, the damage caused, uh, I had people hoisting me and lifting me around that were totally in, untrained and inexperienced. Damn me, I've had two knee operations. I came back with both knees damaged. I was um, completely out of sync with my um, toileting. Regime, which had taken me 18 months to get nice and level and the morning start and everything going nicely, that got completely ruined and, and just complete lack of attention. I know I realise I can't name names and I won't, but um, it's a very common, common thing. Uh, we've heard of it in many cases since from workers that have done shifts within that, that environment, and uh, several of them have said that, you know, they were very apprehensive when I said I was going in but said nothing, and uh, I wish they had them. Um, it it uh, <coughs> they just pointed out the shortfall there dramatically.
0: I think that's a really key point, the is A key that, point, is, Yeah, yeah. Uh, that... Um, you know, as a visual, I'm sitting here with you today. You're in a in a power wheelchair. Mm. Um, you, you have limited movement if your hands and arms. We've set the microphone up in front of you because you, you wouldn't be able to hold that for uh, the duration of this. True. Obviously, getting yourself around or getting yep. a drink or yep. g- getting yourself to the toilet when you're in an aged care facility. Sometimes even getting to a buzzer. To exactly. Get, to yeah. Get the exactly. That All of that, need. which
1: didn't happen in the facility I was in. I was left in the chair till midnight one night. I wasn't getting out of bed till nearly lunchtime. By the time I got up and showered, it was lunchtime. So what's that do to your, your whole regime of... Not winning? only that, what does that
0: do to your dignity and your self And dignity, team. well...
1: Yeah. yeah, well, I can cop that. I'm a big boy. But the <laughs> I could live through that. But it was the, the inability to do anything. That You know, you're at their mercy. And they, they were doing what they could, numbers-wise. The poor old staff—they didn't know any better. They were employed to do that. When you're not trained, you don't know. And, and if there's not enough of you, well, there's not yeah. <laughs> jobs that should have had two people only had one, and and three in some cases. To with the the floor hoisting is is a much more complicated procedure than ceiling hoists, and they they <laughs> if they haven't got the facility. Which, for God knows what reason, they don't. The job doesn't get done properly, and it's when
2: because they're not it's tra- privatised. Well, These aged care places are privatised, and the people running them are are all after the money. It's how cheaply they can do it, just not staff numbers. It's how cheaply they can do it, despite being uh, looking like a fantastic place.
1: Well, it is. It if the care's not it, there, it's useless comes down to quality of care, yeah. Yeah,
0: the care's more important than the chandelier at the entrance, isn't exactly. it?
1: Exactly. Absolutely. That sums it up in one. Anyhow, that being said... What that, are we going to do about what it? What are we doing about <laughs> it? There's, there's not a lot I can do. There is, uh, as you mentioned, a, we're having a, a fundraiser at the moment with a view to... It was instigated by my son... Uh, with the cooperation of uh, and Health and uh, Motor Neuron, all involved, uh, directed at Motor Neuron specifically, to raise some funds to put where I see a need immediately is extra care in the Motor Neuron side of things, above and beyond the huge amounts of money being raised for um, <coughs> studies and... Uh, through other avenues.
0: See, I think that that's one used. of the things that we miss too, Brian, is that we see motor neuron disease being huge amounts of funds, you know, the vitamin Each. D and, the, you know, the walk de- to defeat Fortune and all eight, of those yeah. things. So it looks like there should be... Buckets of money for people with motor neuron disease to access. Yeah. But what we know is that most of that money gets funneled into research. And while there is great importance in research, mm. what we are missing out on is the here and now. The people who are living with the disease, the people who are caring for their loved ones yes. and the gaps in the systems to keep you safe and at home and in the places that, you know, you, you've chosen to be. Absolutely, so, yeah.
1: That can be directed immediately you know, funds, if we can raise some, can be can be immediately used for extra support, as in Motor uh, Neuron run a great system with a library that they call it that um, provides equipment to people at no cost that have MND and specific needs. If they can't afford a wheelchair or they can't afford a bed or... Etc. they got et cetera, the funds. Et cetera, If they're available, they can buy and use as much equipment as they
2: can get. But they haven't got enough money for all the equipment that is needed. And this function is... Uh, Bowen Health asked us where we'd like the money directed to. And we said to equipment people in the Geelong area and Barwon Health agreed with that and said that they cover to the South Australian border and we often think of people that perhaps in a country town that hasn't got the facilities like we have in Geelong, how they would manage if they were in the same position Brian was in and it would be so costly as we've found out and uh, it it would be even for for care, for pet nurses and 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 caring uh, carers uh, to and come and up, um, and home, back up home and respite, um, because the carers do need respite. It was my first break in three plus years, and I came home and I needed after four weeks of disaster. Of Brian, or two weeks in in care, uh, in respite, I need another holiday (laughs) because of that. So the money raised by um, the function on the 7th of September at 1915 at the Federal Mills is to go to the motor neuron people in the Geelong area right to the border and to a carer's fund that people can have some respite that are carers for their family. The,
1: that will be for them to work out the best direction it gets, gets place, but it will be used hopefully immediately and ease the burden. And uh, like I was saying about even for things like the little bit of extra treatment that Heather needs to keep fit enough and at a level so she can keep me at
0: home for another, well, who knows, another six years. But So some of the, um, the foundations and, and organisations that you're referring to, so the Barwin Health is very fortunate to have the Motor Neurone Disease Clinic that operates out of the McElla Centre in mm-hmm. North Geelong. There are only three clinics like that in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one at Calvary Bethlehem, one in Bundura out in the northern suburbs, and yeah. the one here in Geelong, which, as you say, services all the way through to the South Australian border, yes. the whole yeah. Barwon Southwest Amazing, yeah. region. They do an incredible job. Uh, a multidisciplinary team led by Jeanette Wallish and mm-hmm. Professor Paul Tallman. Yeah. Uh, so we're very lucky to have that, and I'm sure they will uh, p- play a, a big part in being able to help administer those funds into channelling them into the right sure places. sure they will, yeah. With the coordination of the Barwon Health Foundation, mm. um, you know, who do yeah. great work yeah. around yeah. that as well. I know
1: Paul's, you know, he's very involved in studies as well, but uh, he knows he sees both sides, and I'm sure. Between us all, we might be able to just... Uh, Start it. Start at something that raises a bit, and get it on the on the road a bit.
0: It's a very selfless
2: thing for you to do, Brian. Well, so selfless. <laughs> well, it was our son that our son and our sons and daughter and our friends and family have been absolutely wonderful with the help they have given us. And Rob, uh, when he first opened 1915 with the um, the Hamilton Group. With the Hamilton Group. He wanted to raise money for his dad as a tribute to his dad.
1: Yeah, there's been a huge response to the ticketing um, and I think they've been considering adding a few tables extra and there's been <laughs> several major donations already. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, sorry about that, tearing up a bit here. that <laughs> doesn't happen too often, but yeah, it touches me a bit. Yeah, so, uh, you know, yeah, well, I couldn't um, speak more highly of the care I've had. Right down the whole thing of, you know, the, the OTs and the, the, full, the full package, as you said, out at McCullough is just great. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm fit enough. Yeah, that's the stupid part. of the, the jolly thing, I I am fit. I'm not. I'm not sick at all, and I'm not. I don't feel sick. I don't have soreness. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you just have a body that's letting you down. Just a body that won't <laughs> do what I want it to. Doesn't do a really good job. But mm. yeah, yeah, and um, all the way down the line the, from the. The carers that are on the floor, you know, first thing in the morning, the pressure they work under, you know, they're bouncing around all over the countryside from A to B just to fill gaps, and and there's always a need, and I'm sure if you know funds need to go that direction, they will, and wherever they can be placed to do the most good. Um, but I'm you know just I've had a little bit of help with equipment. We've self-funded a most of the expensive things because we needed them at the time and they weren't available anywhere else. Like, you know, we've had to do the chair and the hoist and what, things What like sort it. of
0: expense is that? Like most, most people wouldn't know what a power wheelchair would cost. Well, a
1: power wheelchair, the, the, the unit I'm sitting in would be, or well, these days, probably a couple of years down the track, would be $35,000. And upwards, depending on the extra facilities you need with them, it's just a standard one. And uh, like can, an overhead hoist that, that will do the job properly is another several thousand, seven or eight thousand dollars.
0: Plus a bathroom modification. And the,
1: plus modification. Once you go into modifications, you can spend anything. And uh, just we built. <coughs> from when we started making this a move to, to live here, we were ready to downsize and, and retire. We were, well, I'm 75 now, so. Uh, we were looking at retirement, and uh, when we had to change tech and build this to suit my needs, there would be, without a doubt, you could add another eighty, hundred thousand under the cost of things that had to be done extra and probably double because of. once you start going into modified bathrooms and toilets and showers and electronic doors to go in and out of and ramps and and you name it, yeah. So that's the uh, the thing and uh, it, I don't know where, where else it will go, I suppose, that's up to the powers to me and I've got full confidence that it'll go in the right direction, it's it's uh, a Let's bit of a wait and see, but um, it's a starting point. In the early morning, the
2: doors are closing,
0: the lovers is tight. Feelings once so strong
1: don't seem to last long. Before you know it, no one's lies